Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It sounds... Suddenly when I say thank you, thank you, thank you, it feels a bit awkward and weird, like I'm performing or something. Well, good morning either way. Let's get on track to start with. We're starting a brand new series today called Choose. And um, the heart of this series is, is really this, this question. And the question is, what are you today? Like, who are you today? And the answer to that question should really be that you are today the sum of the choices that you've made in the past. The person you are right now is made up of all the little choices, some active, some passive, some purposeful, some accidental, that have brought you to this point today. And who you're going to be in the future is going to really depend on the choices that you make right now. And so we're going to spend the next five weeks looking at some specific choices. And what we want you to realize within this series is that on the one hand, we make choices, but in a very real way, our choices are making us. And so I've been sitting in the office and I'm like, how do I get this idea that our choices are making us stick? How do I help that to to be in our heads for this this time? And I thought, stickers. That's how we're going to make this stick, with stickers. So I, we've literally, I've got Andy Smith to design these awesome stickers. They look good. And I want you to choose somewhere to stick the sticker, somewhere where it's going to remind you when you've got a choice to make that your choices make who you are. So it could be I'm going to stick mine on my Bible because I'm allowed to. So you could stick it on your Bible. You see it when you read your Bible. You could stick it on your notebook, on your MacBook, or on your PC, because I get told I have to keep on reminding myself that people don't all have Macs, uh, or, or wherever you want. But we want you to, to get this idea that your choices are making you. And today, we're going to hone in on a very specific choice. A choice that we want to look at today is the choice to follow Jesus. And I, I'm going to talk all about that this morning. But before I do, I want to start by bringing up expectations. You see, in in my old job, I used to take people all around the world to some of the the hardest, the most deprived, the most vulnerable communities on this planet. And we would go and we would do whatever we could to, to make some small difference. And sometimes it was like a minuscule difference, it felt like, and other times... It was just incredible to see the, the impact and the effect that we could have in, in a few small weeks. And when I was recruiting people for these teams, I always started with this question. What are you expecting? What do you expect to happen from your time? What do you expect the culture to feel like? What are you expecting? And, and sometimes people come back and they would be like, I'm expecting the food to be terrible. I'm expecting to sleep on the floor. I'm expecting it to be hard and tiring. Or I'm expecting God to do amazing things. I'm expecting to make a difference. I'm expecting to change the world. Or I'm expecting to not make any difference. Like different people have different answers. But the majority of people, about 95% would simply say, I expect nothing. I have no expectations. I, I'm just going. I have no expectations. And I remember one guy, two days into the trip, he was like, I've had enough. I'm done. This is, this is too much. I want to go home. I don't want to be here anymore. And I was like, mate, 
what's, what's gone wrong? What's the matter? And he said, well, it just wasn't what I expected. And whether you realize it or not, you have expectations. You have things in life that you're looking forward to, that, that you see ahead of you. And, and when we talk about being a follower of Jesus, you've got expectations about that as well. You've got expectations about what you think Jesus is going to do for you and what you think it looks like for you to be a follower. And that's really what I want to nail down today. I want to nail for you what your expectations should be as a follower of Jesus. And then at the end, I'm going to ask you, do you want to be a follower of Jesus? And my prayer today is that you'll say yes. But I only want you to say yes if you've got your expectations right, because otherwise you get down the road and you're like, you know what, this just isn't what I expected. I've had enough. This isn't really right. And Jesus does this in a book called Mark. It's a book in the New Testament, and he's got this crowd, and he starts to think maybe a lot of these guys are just in it for the ride. You know, they're just on the journey. They're not. They're following me, but they're not like following me. You know, it's like Twitter. They've they've clicked follow, but they're not like with me. And he's like, we need to have a bit of a team talk about this. We we need to approach this issue of following. And I think in a way, it's a little bit like a contract. If you've ever taken out a mobile phone or you've got your gas or electricity, you've got the big headline promises, the big things that everyone takes out the contract for. But then you've got the small print, the writing at the bottom that we often don't read. And then down the road, it always disappoints us because it clashes with our expectations. And so I want to make sure you understand the small print today about following Jesus. So if you turn with me to Mark chapter 8, Following Jesus is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. There's so many incredible things about following Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you become a better parent. If you follow Jesus, you'll find more joy in life. You'll find more satisfaction about serving. You'll find community. Following Jesus has loads and loads of advantages. But there is a cost. And this is what we're going to look at today. So if you jump in with me to verse 27, Mark chapter 8, verse 27, I'm going to put it up behind me so you can read along there or you can read along in your own Bible. If you've got a Bible on your phone, I'm reading the New Living Translation, so you can follow that if you'd like to. It says this, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? Who do people say I am? This isn't the question that you ask your mates down the pub because you probably don't want to know the answer. They might be saying a lot of bad stuff. Maybe people are saying nothing about you at all. But for Jesus, he understood that there was this buzz. There was this buzz around them. There was this buzz everywhere he went. And he was saying, who is it that people are saying I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. John the Baptist has just been beheaded like a couple of months earlier. Some say Elijah. This is a prophet who's been dead for years and years and years. And others are like one of the other prophets. Like, these are some weird, weird ideas about who he is. So he asked them, who are you saying I am? Who do you think I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. That word Messiah is the same word as Christ. You are the Christ. Now, some of us might think that Christ was Jesus' surname, but it wasn't. It was, it was a title that you have to explain. Some, you know, how are you supposed to know if no one tells you? Jesus Christ was a title, and the title literally meant anointed one. 
They're saying, you are the anointed one. You are the one that the, the Bible has been talking about for years. You're the one we've been looking forward to and waiting for. And Jesus does this strange thing. He like says, yeah, you're right. You're right, I am the one. But he warns them, don't tell anybody. He's like, yeah, 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 that's me. Now, now shh, shh, keep it hush, keep it quiet. And then he goes on, and he, this is where he wants to set their expectations right. This is where he wants to tell them about the cost. And as we're reading this, we need to realize that this is an eyeball-to-eyeball, face-to-face conversation with Jesus. The stuff that he's talking about now is literal. This isn't like all metaphor. This is Jesus talking about stuff that we know literally happened. And he says, he, says, uh, he began to tell them about the Son of Man, that he must suffer many terrible things. Son of Man is just a name for Jesus. And be rejected by elders, leading priests, teachers of the religious law. He would be killed. Three days later, he would rise from the dead. And as he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. So like he's basically saying, you know, if you hang around with somebody who's arrested, who's tortured, who's crucified, there's a strong chance that you're going to get caught up in that whirlwind. If you're with somebody who's that radical, there's a strong chance that you're going to end up in the aftermath of it all as well. And he's telling them, this is what's going to happen to me. Now, now picture this. Peter pulls him aside and he's like, Jesus, why are you being so negative? Like, come on, cheer up. It's a beautiful. And he's like thinking, you know, I have just seen you out at sea and you literally spoke to a storm and it did what you said. I don't think we've got anything to worry about. I think it's going to be okay. No need to be so negative. Let's talk about something important like Trinitarianism or prayer or something else. But like, let's not get caught up in all of this naysay death stuff. Uh, and then he turns around and he's really, really harsh. He, Jesus is really, really harsh. He looks at his disciples and he reprimands Peter back, saying, Get away from me, Satan. And the reason he says this is this. He says, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. It's like he's saying to Peter, you, you say like you're worried about me, but what you're actually worried about is you. You know, you're, you're talking about, don't let this happen to you, Jesus. But what you're really thinking is like, this is going really well for you. You know, we're going everywhere. You used to be a fisherman. No one knew you. And now all of a sudden people recognize you when you walk into town. People are like, oh, there's that Peter. He's the one who's full of Jesus. He's like, you're not so much worried about me. You're worried about you. You're not acting as much like a follower, but a consumer. Because you're only in it for what you've got. And so Jesus decides he's going to take this moment and make it a teaching point. So he calls everybody around. He gets all the crowds. He's like, come here. I want to deal with this. I need you to know your expectations. I need you to know the small print. I need you to expect what's going to happen is going to happen to you. So he pulls them together. He calls the crowd to join his disciples. And he says, if anyone of you wants to be my follower, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross and you must follow me. You must deny yourself, he says. Like This isn't like, some weird theological crazy big thing like we deny ourselves every day don't we you know you're up late and you're thinking 
I could watch another episode of Stranger Things. Or I've got a meeting tomorrow morning in about another five hours and I could get some sleep. So you deny yourself so that you can get up early. You maybe have just been given loads and loads of Haribo and you're thinking I could eat all of those myself. But you have a husband in the room with you, Emma, who likes Haribo as well. And you think, I'm going to deny myself so that Ben can share in this beautiful Haribo feast with me. I'm preaching to my wife. <laughs> we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We deny ourselves because we want something bigger. And this is what he says. He says, you've got to deny yourself. That there's going to be times in life where it's like a defining moment. There's like a split in the road and there's two decisions. And he's like, there's going to be times when I'm going to ask you not to go down the one which you want to go down, but to deny yourself and to choose the one which I'm asking you to go down. That's all he means. He says, I want you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, you've probably seen crosses. We've all got Google pictures and most of us have probably seen the passion. Maybe you've seen crosses around people's necks. Maybe you've seen these beautiful paintings of Jesus looking like, oh, and he's on the cross and it's all lovely. Or, or maybe you've seen some of the more gruesome ones and there's the blood splatters and it's nasty. But the reality is you've never smelt the cross. You've never heard the sound of somebody being put on a cross. You've never watched as their family watched them on a cross. You know, you might know of the cross, but you don't know the cross. And the crowd that he's speaking to, every single one of them has seen the cross. The cross isn't just something about Jesus. This wasn't even a thing about Jesus. The cross was really, really common. This is what the Romans used to torture and terrorize nations into doing whatever they told them. This was a symbol of fear, which stopped people from choosing their way so that they would choose the way of Rome. And so when Jesus is saying to them, you know, you've got to pick up your cross, like this would have ter terrified them. This was like this, this gutsy, this, this raw thing. And there would have been people in that crowd right then. And, and they would have said, you know what, Jesus, this is it. This is my line. You know, it's been good so far. I've loved the miracles. I like that, that bread and fish thing. Water into wine, 10 out of 10. Next time, let's talk about beer. But this is brilliant. Jesus, you've been doing, you, you, you healed my mother-in-law. Wasn't so sure about that one. But the other miracles have been phenomenal. But this is my line. This, this is where I want to stop because this simply sounds like it's going to cost too much. And Jesus knew this. Jesus saw this. He knew the fear that this would put. He knows the hearts of men. He knows my heart. You know, he knows your heart. And so he doesn't just let them walk away at this point because he's like, I really want to define this expectation further. I want you to realize truly what I'm trying to say to you. And what he says next is gold. It's just, it's pure wisdom. This is about as good as wisdom gets anywhere. And so if you've fallen asleep, wake up because I want you to get this. This is, for me, the best bit. He says to them, 
if you try to hang on to your life, which all of them are feeling like, I would want to hang on to my life and not be on a cross, because I just gathered everybody back in. If you want to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. We know this. We all know this. It doesn't matter how much you go to the gym, you're still going to lose your life. It doesn't matter if you have some crazy vegan diet for like the next six months and get like super energized and healthy, you'll still lose your life. It doesn't matter how many habits you break. At the end of the day, you can't cling on to it. So it says if if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life, which you know you're going to lose anyway, for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will in fact save it. So you're going to lose your life, but if you give it up, I'm going to use it for something bigger. I'm going to use it for something far more purposeful. I'm going to use it in a way that you never could have expected. And I'm going to give you so much more, but you have to give it up first. And he continues. He's like, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? So imagine this. Imagine you've just gained the whole world. Like, what would that look like? You'd have, I would have, like a garage full of every different color Lamborghini that there is. Like, I would have eye watches from my wrist to my elbow. And, and I, would, I would live in a man, no, I wouldn't live in a man, I'd live in a castle. Like, let's get real. I would, I would have kennels full of dogs. I don't know what this would look like for you. Maybe you'd be like a, a pony person. You'd have horses. Uh, maybe not. Uh, but you imagine you had everything you wanted. And everyone, as they saw you, be like, there goes that person who is living the dream. He's like, imagine you were that guy. Imagine you were that girl who had it all. And he said, what good is that if at the end of the day you lost your soul? What good would that be? And then he turns the question the other way around. He says, let's look at it this way. He says, is anything worth more than your soul? Like imagine, you've got everything. You've got the castle, you've got the turret. says entrance music when you walk in, like I asked them to play for me today, but they didn't. <laughs> and you suddenly realize you've lost your soul. Uh, and maybe an angel comes down. Let's, let's imagine that. It's like this, oh, Ben, you have everything, but you have lost your soul. And, and I'm thinking like, oh no, what would I give to get my soul back? And the answer that he is expecting, that he is leading us to is, is no good if I have everything but I lose my soul. And I would give anything to get my soul back. I wouldn't compromise. I wouldn't barter. I wouldn't be like, can I keep one of my Lamborghinis? I would give it all. I would give it all so I could get my soul back. And in that moment, he is just revealed in their hearts something life-defining and significant. What he has shown them is that in actual fact, they value their own souls greater than their things. That their souls are more important than the crowd around them, than the relationships that they have. That their souls are more important than all the ambition that they have in life. That at the end of the day, their soul is their most important, most valuable asset. And he's just revealed to them. So this crowd are there and they're like, actually, this bad news is starting to feel a little bit like good news. This small print could have been a bit bigger. I was quite happy with this small print. You're saying I'm going to lose my stuff anyway, but actually if I give it away, actually if I follow you, you're going to use it for something better. 
that, that I'm going to lose everything, but you're going to give me even more? This sounds like good news. But Jesus doesn't finish there. He finishes in verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. He's talking about a day that's going to come where every single one, every single one of us is going to have to give an account of our lives. And we're going to have to explain. And he says, like, if you're ashamed of me, if you turn your back on me, if, if, if you decide not to follow me, I, I can't then say you're my follower. And I want to get the understanding of this right, because front and center in the story is this guy, Peter. And Peter is the guy who says, you know what, Jesus, I would never be ashamed of you. I would never turn my back on you. And it's, it's only a few weeks later that he is in Jerusalem and Jesus is in the middle of all of this mess that he's been warning them of. And this schoolgirl turns around to Peter and says, I recognize you. Because Peter gets noticed wherever he goes. So I recognize you. You're that guy who hangs around with Jesus. And what does Peter do? He's like, no way. I'm not one of them. I'm not a follower. This is too costly. This is too much. And then, a little bit later, Jesus sees him. Do you know what he does? He kicks him so hard. He picks him up. He goes, ultimate warrior. And he throws him out of that group so fast. That he doesn't do that at all. Jesus comes back to him and he says, welcome back, Peter. Welcome back. Come back. Let's not do this again. He says, I want you to be the leader of my church. You know, I think that there's some of us here today, and, and we've, we've lived this. You know, we, we've been in church, and maybe we've walked away from church, because we said, you know, it's just too costly. And Jesus is like, you just can come back anytime you want. And I want to welcome you right back here. So what's the point? What's, what's the moral of this story? What am I trying to tell you today? I want you to know two things. I want you to know first that salvation is completely free. Jesus paid it all. Jesus did everything on the cross. Salvation is a gift from him to us. That if you want it, you can have it and you can accept it. It costs absolutely nothing. But following Jesus costs. Following Jesus will cost you something. And I don't know what that will look like to you. And it can be different for everyone. It might not be like this moral black and white thing. It could well be that you're, you're just living your life and then there's this moment. And I, and I believe that we know when we're in this moment. And, and you see that there's two options. And that one way is following Jesus. And the other way is actually following yourself. And you'll realize in that instant that you have a choice to make. Are you going to be a follower or are you going to be a consumer? And you'll recognize it. And I'll tell you something else about that moment. It's going to feel like death. It's going to feel like absolute death. There may be dreams that you've had for years and you've nurtured and Jesus says, I need you to just put this to one side. And maybe you've trained for years for a career and Jesus says, I don't even want you to take that career. I want to ask you to go this way. 
that there's things inside you that you wanted to happen. And every time I have experienced one of these moments, and it's not a single moment, it's a moment that comes again and again and again, it's felt like death. And it's felt hard. But the truth is, however hard these moments are, however emotional these moments are, I wish this for every single one of you here. Because when you experience that that moment, when you make that choice, you discover something fundamentally important about who you are. You discover whose you are, really. You discover whether you belong to Jesus or whether you belong to you. You discover whether you belong to Jesus or whether you belong to your crowd and the people around you. First, salvation is free, but following Jesus will cost you. And Jesus wants to ask you, will you follow? Hmm. Salvation is free, and it costs nothing. Following Jesus will cost something. I don't know how this is going to land for you personally today. It may well be that you're not in a, a place where you've got this happening right now, but a place will come. There will be a time for you where you've got this, this black and white moment and you will, you'll feel it, you'll see it. And if I'm honest, I'm not too worried about that for you. Because I, I believe that if you've experienced that video, if you know what Jesus has done for you, then you'll make the right decision. And that you'll see it and you'll be like, this is that time when I need to choose. And I believe that you'll choose right. There's going to be others of you here today and you'll be sitting here and you're probably thinking like, I need to check out my security. Has Ben been watching me? Like, has he been reading my journal? And that this is exactly what you're going through right now. Uh, that you've got this decision right in the middle of your life, even as we're speaking, and you need to decide what are you going to choose. And I want to say to you a couple of things. I want to say, firstly, it can't be a coincidence that we're talking about this, if you're experiencing this right now. I want to say, secondly, life is like a story. You know, and, and you're going to move on from here and time is going to go forwards. And at some point you're going to look back and this will be something you talk about. This will be something that you tell people about. And you'll either look back and you'll say, this was a defining moment for me when I realized whose I was. And this was a time when I chose to be a follower. Or you'll look back and say, this was a time I chose to be a consumer. This was a time I chose Jesus. I chose to, be a, to follow him. Or this was a time when I chose me. And I said, following Jesus just costs too much. And I'm checking out. And my prayer for you is that you choose Jesus. Is that you choose to be a follower. Some of you here today, maybe uh, this is all new. Maybe you've, you've never really explored this. You've never heard this articulated like this. Maybe you didn't even know that Jesus was a real person. But, but you've been feeling something inside you. Some, perhaps you've been feeling a tingling or a heartbeat in a different way than usual. And that there's something real about this. And I want to give you an opportunity to choose today. And to say, I, I, I want to choose Jesus. I, I don't necessarily know everything that it involves. 
but I know it's going to cost something. And I know that it's going to be worth every cost. And there's others of you that maybe you, you chose Jesus years ago, but the cost was too much. You, you didn't have your expectations. Nobody explained it was going to be like it was. And you backed out and you walked away. And I want to give you that same choice today to say, I'm coming back and I've got eyes wide open. I know what this means. I know what Jesus did. I know salvation is free. And I want to choose to follow. I'm going to ask everybody to just close your eyes for a moment. We do this every single week. And every single week, people make a decision. But I want to ask you to not choose what you think the people around you would choose. To not think about anyone else, but just to ask yourself, do I choose today to be a follower of Jesus? And if you want to make that decision right now for the first time, if you want to come back, I'd love it if you could just raise a hand to signify that. Just to show and say, this is my moment, this is my choice. I'm raising a hand right here to say, I'm going to become a follower of Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? You don't need to worry about what anyone else is doing. Just make it for yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.